Hey everyone, it's Bobby Sylvester. We're going to talk some fantasy football here in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about the Fantasy Pros Chrome extension. The Fantasy Pros Chrome extension is going to provide you with instant expert analysis for your team. And there's a lot of ways it can do it, but I'm just going to tell you about a couple of them, okay? It's going to help you start all the right players. Basically, it's going to set your optimal lineup with a single click. It works with Yahoo, ESPN, NFL.com, My Fantasy League, and CBS Leagues as well. And it's going to set that optimal lineup based on the consensus opinions of the top fantasy football experts. It's also going to help you with the waiver wire. You can quickly see who the top available players are in your league, again, based on that Fantasy Pros expert consensus. Now, only MVP and Hall of Fame users are going to be able to get the most out of the Chrome extension. If you don't already have a Hall of Fame package, we have a special $10 offer for six months of that Hall of Fame package. You can get more details and claim this offer today by going to fantasypros.com slash offers. All right, let's talk some football. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere, and we're going to be talking start or sit decisions for week 14, the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. We've got a great guest today. It's Pat Fitzmorris of thefootballgirl.com. He's on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro and tags is at Mike Tagliere NFL. Pat, how are you doing? Great, Bobby. Great to be on with you and Tags. And uh, wow, man, we are coming down to the wire. It seems like only yesterday I was playing golf with Tags on the day before the the season opener. You know, here we are, the start of the fantasy playoffs. It's flown by, but, you know, these are the uh, times we savor as fantasy football owners. I miss golf. Like, it is so cold. I just keep thinking, man, I would love if it was nice outside so I could go golfing. And uh, it's not going to happen for like four months. More like five or six months, actually. <laughs> no, as I was doing my rankings this week, I was like week 14. I was like fantasy playoffs and like thinking about the fact that we were it, it felt like not long ago that we were talking about the Browns and how that they were the favorite to win that division and and how uh, like <laughs> like they were legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Everyone was saying that. Yeah, I mean, well, I like the odds in terms of what you were able to get on them uh, before they acquired Odell Beckham. But obviously, Freddie Kitchens has not been the answer. And I wonder if we see another firing of a coach soon because Ron Rivera being let go before Freddie Kitchens is a travesty. But it is what it is, and Ron Rivera is getting out of a bad situation, so good for him. Sure. Yeah, that's right. So, guys, I have something I want to run by you before we get into the rankings and everything and talk about these fringe players that we're getting a lot of questions on. So, at Thanksgiving last week, I don't know why I haven't brought it up until now, I asked my grandpa. He's been a football fan for who knows how long. He's a huge Packers fan. I believe you're a Packers fan, too, Fitz. Is that right? Yeah, correct, Bobby. All right. So, yeah, he's a huge Packers fan. I just asked him, okay, you've seen every football player of all time. Who's the greatest to ever play the game? And he told me a slinging Sammy Baugh. So I had to like look this guy up. Like I've heard of him, of course. He's in the Hall of Fame. Quarterback of two Super Bowl champions. He changed the game forever because he was the first real dominant forward passer. Uh, And he had like this big watermelon ball. That's what they threw back then. And he put it right on the money all the time. And listen to this, guys. He still holds the all-time single-season record for punting yards. And he led the league in defensive interceptions. And uh, I, I just wanted to make everyone aware of this guy because he was truly phenomenal. And we never talk about him in that conversation. I've never heard of him. Look him up, dude. He was like a like a high-profile actor, too, and he did his own stunts like 
jumping onto moving trains and stuff. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, watch the highlights. Like it is phenomenal. I can't believe how good this guy was. Look him up, guys. Everyone listening to this show, Slingin' Sammy Baugh. That's B-A-U-G-H. I hope you guys enjoy it. I uh, was just really tickled when I found out that he existed and really special player. Uh, anyways, you guys ready to talk some rankings? Ready as will be, I think. Right, Pat? Absolutely. All right, guys. Let's go to the running back position first. And there's, you know, we usually start with players who are like, hey, you know, this guy's usually not a must start, but this week he's definitely a must start. And it's like RB 16 or 17. There's really no one in that range that is like, hey, we should talk about him because, you know, nobody knows you should definitely be starting uh, Philip Lindsay or Miles Sanders. I want to start with Jamal Williams, who over the last, since he came back from his concussion in week six, He's been a top 12 fantasy running back, guys. And it's not just like one or two big performances. He has double-digit fantasy points in seven of eight contests in that time. Pat, we'll start with you. Are you definitely starting Jamal Williams against Washington at this point? It's not unconditional, but he is in my top 30. I think he's at number 27, and he's ahead of a lot of these guys. I don't know if you guys noticed this when you did the rankings this week, but there are all these ambiguous backfields like the 49ers the Colts the Chiefs and like all these backfields where it's really hard to tell what's going on and who's going to get the Buccaneers like what the heck do we do with Ronald Jones right exactly but with in a lot of these situations those teams are going up against some of the toughest run defenses this week and so like it almost kind of makes the decision for us like I'm not starting Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida in any league this week. I'm not starting Jordan Wilkins. I'm not starting Jonathan Williams. So yeah, like I like a guy like Jamal Williams more than any of those dudes because he is going to get a decent number of touches. You can usually pencil him in for 10 to 14 or 15 in a pretty good home matchup against Washington. You know, at, at first I was a little worried that with Devontae Adams coming back, maybe Rodgers wasn't going to be throwing to his backs quite as much. And I think we saw that the first couple of games when Devontae came back, but he's kind of gotten back to targeting the running backs. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about him as like a flex level play this week. So tags out, you know, when I posted on Sunday that Peyton Barber is the most annoying player in fantasy football, a lot of people responded and said, no, it's Jamal Williams because, you know, he's stealing all these touches from Aaron Jones and he just kind of sucks. Jamal Williams is actually really good at football. I'm not saying he's as good as Aaron Jones, but he deserves these touches. Where do you have him ranked? He's done good in that limited role. I don't think he was very impressive in a, in a workhorse role. I have him at 26, so I'm right there with Fitz on this one that I think he's like an RB3 flex type play. So he's basically been in a lock for 8 to 14 touches per week, and that's what he's getting. It's not like they're not giving him much more. There was one week where he had more, and it was when uh, Aaron Jones got benched for fumbling. But looking at the the matchup with the Redskins, this is a team that that really does struggle to stay on the field. You know, their their defense is continually on the field, and that's the reason that they've uh, running backs have averaged a league high thirty two point one touches per game against them. It's not like the efficiency has been sky high against the Redskins. It's been a, a very mediocre matchup, is how I'd describe it. But I would say that Jamal Williams is probably going to get into that you know twelve to fourteen touch range, and we're going to see Aaron Jones, the guy that they've been talking about. We've heard Devontae Adams talk about it. We've heard Aaron Rodgers talk about it. That they need to get him more involved in the passing game, especially. So I think that we're gonna we're gonna see a bigger game from Aaron Jones in terms of like him getting sixteen plus touches. But there should be plenty of touches to go around against this Washington team. So who are you starting him over? You start him over Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, Tevin Coleman? Oh, yeah. All those guys. All three of them for me, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, Tevin Coleman might be the third best running back for the 49ers this week. If Brita comes back, I mean. And I, they go up against the Saints. I don't know if I want to start any of the three of them. I have, yeah, Mostert's at 35 for me, and I don't I don't want to start him. It's just more of like, take the lesser of all these evils. And Ronald Jones at 38, uh, LaShawn McCoy down at 40. I don't know what's going on. Did you guys hear that Spencer Ware has signed with the Chiefs? Yes. Yeah, so he signed with the Chiefs, and um, that's happening. So, with both the Williams brothers missing practice, it seems like they're not going to play. They're not actually brothers, are they? No, they're not brothers. I was going to say, man, I didn't know about that. <laughs> they're teammate brothers, kind of like you and I. So they're, they miss practice. They're probably not going to play. It is the Patriots, though. It's a brutal matchup. So it's like, why not just sit back and let this week play out as it may and, and see how they use these running backs? Because no running back outside of Damian Williams has totaled more than, I think it's 12 or 13 touches for the Chiefs this year. So I kind of want to avoid it if I can. I'm avoiding it as well. I'm going to give you a couple other names um, in this area. You tell me who you would be comfortable starting. All of these guys are outside of my top 30 running backs this week. Kenyon Drake faced Pittsburgh. Bo Scarborough against Minnesota. Uh, Rashad Penny, the number two for Seattle against the Rams. Carlos Hyde faced Denver. Any of those names stand out to you, Pat? Penny is the one I have ranked highest just because it seems like he has definitely muscled his way into the rotation Seattle's hellbent on running the ball every week. And, you know, he's just, you get floor now that you weren't getting earlier in the season. Like he's getting, you know, his own series now and again throughout the game. And you also get a little bit of that ceiling just in case Chris Carson gets fumbleitis again. And uh, so, yeah, I, I feel okay about him, you know, just okay. Running back 29. You mentioned Scarborough, who... In a standard scoring format, I would be okay maybe flexing um, at RB30. You know, it's not a real great matchup, but I do think the Lions are going to try to protect their third-string rookie quarterback by, you know, hammering it between the tackles and keeping the game moving along. So Scarborough's going to get those 15 to 20 carries. It's just that, you know, he's a, a complete non-factor in the passing game. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the – touchdown potential is in a game where Detroit's probably scoring under 20 points so yeah and uh, Drake's kind of at the RB 31 level too so yeah those are guys I'm, I'm not looking to start like maybe in an emergency but at this point you know probably if you're playing in week 14 you're not having to go to guys like that I think you're probably right now Penny did have 19 touches last week over 100 yards in a much tougher matchup against Minnesota Tags would you feel comfortable starting him or any of these guys I mentioned Penny is I have him right there at RB 30 so he's someone that I would contemplate but understand that he still was on the wrong side of the timeshare in terms of like touches the way they went there was 43 touches last week there's that's not going to happen every single game for the the Seahawks it's just not um they're going on the road this week the the Rams were 12 games into the season the Rams have only allowed nine running backs to finish better than the RB30 against them so therefore it's like it's unlikely there's going to be two of them coming out of this game so it's like you have to pick your poison i'd say Carson's still the preferred option but I don't think either of them are, are guys that you must start in terms of like, I would rather start Alexander Madison than Rashad Penny this week. I mean, I've got, if Cook's out, I've got Alexander Madison in my top 10. Yeah, this is with me saying that Cook is going to play, but I, he might not play. And obviously Madison's going to be a top 12 play. But if, if Cook plays, this is a game against a third string quarterback against Detroit. This is a team that's going nowhere. Uh, they've really struggled all year against the run. 
Alexander Madison has fresh legs, and you saw that when he came into the game, even last week against Seattle. Like the the guy, the kids got burst to him. Whereas Dalvin Cook, it's like the season's wearing down, and you're seeing him lose a little bit of that spot, like that you know that spurt that he had at the beginning of the year. And plus, if he starts one bad land on his shoulder, like he's out for the game. They're not going to mess around with that. Well, you remember when Dalvin Cook, do you guys remember last year, Dalvin Cook, there was a game that he was hurt in and he's like, oh, I'm going to play next week. And it was against the Rams. And people are like, oh, he said he's playing. I'm going to play him. You put him in your lineup. He was awful and ended up getting pulled from the game because he was still hurt. Dalvin Cook's kind of done this before. This is a very winnable game. They're double digit favorites. Even if Cook goes out there and does well for the first half, I see the entire second half going to Alexander Madison. It's a really good call. What do you think about that, Pat? I'm with tags on that. And um, it did not look like he was a guy who was going to be playing in week 14 when he suffered that injury on Monday night. And, um, you know, tags also makes the point about the fresh legs of Madison. And I think we're kind of seeing that with Madison, with Rashad Penny, with Kareem Hunt, that these guys who have not been, you know, ground down over the course of a long season, guys like Carson, who's just taken a beating this season, Nick Chubb, who's had this heavy workload. Suddenly these guys come in who haven't been playing or haven't been playing much, and they look like they've been shot out of a cannon. And we've really seen that with Hunt. And, and you know, Penny looked like he had so much juice on Monday night against a pretty good run defense. So, yeah, I like I would be really pretty enthusiastic about starting Madison if there's any doubt about like Cook's workload, if there's any talk about a pitch count, anything like that. And really, I don't know, on one hand, the Vikings do have to keep pace with the Packers. Like they want to keep the Packers within one game of them before they have their big matchup in week 16. But at the same time, you know, the the Vikings are really strong bets to make the playoffs and they don't want to do anything to jeopardize Cook. So I think they might be a little judicious with how they handle him this week, which is why you know, I have a hard time getting Cook as a running back one this week. He's more like eh, kind of a mid-range RB2. So we talked about uh, Alexander Madison. We talked about Penny a little bit. We talked about Jamal Williams. Is there anyone else outside the top 30 running backs that you could see playing this week, Tags? Like you're not going Jonathan Williams against Tampa. I, I don't imagine you're going Tariq Cohen, are you? Duke Johnson? Tariq Cohen is actually, yeah, he would be so. He's someone that is close to my top 30. I'm at 33. So, I mean... The Bears have they've been struggling to run the ball a little bit. Dallas is a team that really does limit wide receiver production. They don't allow anything to go over the top. They play a zone-heavy scheme, which should allow for some uh, dump-offs to Tariq Cohen. And ever since they put Trey Burton on IR, Cohen has seen a bump in targets. So he's someone that I would consider as a flex play. It was a perfect matchup last week, though, and he got seven touches, Tags. Yeah, I believe me. I'm, it, the Bears' offense is frustrating altogether. That's why That's why Cohen's not higher than 33 for me. <laughs> Right. That's exactly where I've got him, actually. Uh, I think Cohen is a decent play. I wouldn't feel great about it. All right, guys, we've got some more running backs to talk about. But first, I want to tell you about Travis Matthew. Guys, holiday shopping season is underway. You're already aware of that. Travis Matthew draws its inspiration from all aspects of Southern California culture and lifestyle. If you guys have watched our live streams on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros, you've probably seen me wearing Travis Matthew stuff because I love their gear and I'm wearing it all the time. And when I want to look my best, I'm definitely wearing the Travis Matthew gear. Guys, they make premier men's apparel for work and play. Travis Matthew has been leading the way in quality 
everyday apparel and active wear design. Each product is crafted to achieve a perfect balance between functional comfort and superior style. You guys know me and Tags, we're really into our comfort, and that's why I don't tend to dress nice, but Travis Matthew gives me comfort and superior style. Travis Matthew Apparel incorporates performance elements into everyday lifestyle products with premium quality fabric blends that provide style and comfort for every occasion. And Travis Matthews committed to constant innovation and discovery to bring the best to their customers. In other words, Travis Matthew makes the clothes you can actually live in. Go to travismatthew.com slash football to get 15% off your first purchase. That's T-R-A-V-I-S-M-A-T-H-E-W.com slash football. Pat, anyone else outside the top 30 that you like? So if it was a pure... One point PPR league. I could actually see using Patrick Laird this week. Like I had him at, at running back 35 for half points and then kind of got cold feet with that and bumped him down a little bit when the Dolphins signed Zach Zenner this week. <laughs> I can't believe he's still around, by the way, Zach Zenner. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. <laughs> he just keeps coming back like a bad penny. I don't know, though. I mean, I, I have to think that Laird is still sort of the lead guy. And I know that doesn't mean much for a team that's averaging like 60 rushing yards a game and 3.1 yards per attempt. But like Laird does catch passes and in a full point PPR, like I, I think he's a pretty good chance to catch four or five, six passes. And, you know, even though it's probably going to be an empty 10 carries. He had 17 fantasy points last week. Like, yeah. So in full point PPR, I'd be kind of okay with him. Can I ask you guys about the single hardest guy to rank this week and where you have him? Yeah. Devonta Freeman. (laughs) Oh man. I love Freeman this week so much. I'm using him in DFS. I want to love him against a, a defense that was just trampled for 200 plus rushing yards by the Washington Redskins. But... I mean, it's just been so bleak with Freeman in that running game. This He looked great on tape last week. I mean, you know, he missed the two weeks and he came back and he didn't look great at the beginning of the season. This is the freshest I've seen him look in two years. You know, he was bouncing into holes really quick. He looked good, guys. I think he's going to tear up the Panthers this week. And Carolina's defense isn't going to show up. I promise you. Like, like honestly, that's a team. It's almost like a Lovey Smith thing with the Bears. Do you remember when the players just like lost their minds when he was fired? And uh, that's the case with Ron Rivera. He's a he's a player's coach, and these guys were playing for him. They just aren't very talented. Uh, they're playing backups all over the defensive line. They've lost their two starting defensive tackles. There, there's a lot of things going wrong with Carolina, and Ron Rivera was not really the issue. But this game in Atlanta, like Devonta Freeman, over the course of his career has tr- like played like historically better at home. So going against a team that's allowed 22 touchdowns to the running back position through 12 games, yeah, I'm 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 down with Freeman this week as an RB one. And he's getting, uh, yeah, I've got him RB1 as well. Tags, I'm so pumped to hear you say that, man. I thought I was going to be all alone on Freeman this week in the top 12. You know, he's missed a couple games this season. He's still got 42 receptions. He's not just running the ball. He's catching the ball as well. I'd play him over Dalvin Cook this week if he plays. Even if he plays, that's the thing is even if Dalvin Cook plays, right now I'm assuming he does, and I have him at RB12 because of that, but it's not great. Like you don't feel good putting Dalvin cook in your lineup this week, but if he plays, you kind of have to, which is why I keep him there. But yeah, Devonta Freeman to me is like a high floor play and he comes with a high ceiling against that Carolina defense. I would agree with that. So Pat, why, why do you think he's so hard to rank? Because the running game, the Atlanta running game just hasn't been great overall this season. I agree. The matchup is good. Brian Hill kind of got more run last week than I was expecting. You know, I thought Freeman was going to come back and it was going to be all him. I, I he had 21 touches. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should get him there. I just there were too many guys I I liked ahead of him. Like I couldn't get him ahead of Austin Eckler. I couldn't get him ahead of Philip Lindsay. I couldn't get him ahead of, get him ahead of like Singletary and Mixon. I just I don't know. Maybe I should be a little more matchup uh, sensitive here. But yeah, see, I'm I'm kind of more in line with the ECR. He's he's RB nineteen. That's sort of where I am with him too. I'm I'm even a little a little worse than that. I think I've got him RB 21. All right, guys, let's do, uh, I, I'm going to give you guys three names. These are all RB two ish RB three fringe plays. You guys tell me which one you're the most excited about this week, uh, which one you might be avoiding this week. So let's go with Austin Eckler at Jacksonville, um, which has become a great matchup. David Johnson faced Dallas and we'll go with Sony Michelle against Kansas city. We're going to do two groups of three here. So, uh, Eckler Montgomery, Sony Michelle tagged you first. I will play Sony this week. I mean, if you don't play Sony this week, you're never going to play him. That's basically how I feel about it. Tom Brady has been terrible. I'm just worried about his workload. Like, he's he's fine. He looked good last week, but, um, you know, great matchup. They fell behind in that game. And, I mean, do we expect the the Patriots to fall behind to Kansas City at, while they're at home? I don't know, man. There were a lot of variables in that game against New England. And the Patriots were due for some, like, they're going to give up some touchdowns. And I think this game should present a lot of scoring. And even going back to the game that they played last year in the playoffs between these two teams, Sonny Michelle tore them up, like 113 yards and two touchdowns in that game. And up to the playoffs, Sonny Michelle was kind of like, meh, he was a fine fantasy option, better than he's been this year. But this Chiefs defense, their priorities are in the secondary this week and like well they've been for a long time but this is a mad this is a matchup you attack with Sony Michelle I'm playing him as a low-end RB2 expecting like even better than that but I can't rank him higher because he's not involved in the passing game Pat who do you have Sony Michelle Austin Eckler David Montgomery so I've got these guys bunched pretty tightly Montgomery RB20 Eckler RB21 and Sony RB24 I just worry that Sony is the most game script sensitive of these guys and that you know if if Kansas City does get off to a hot start, and granted, like the odds aren't particularly great of that happening against this pass defense. I mean, the Patriots have been just terrific at stopping opposing passing games this year. Uh, last week against Houston, notwithstanding, I would say the same's true though with David Montgomery. Like, if the Bears get behind, how much is he going to touch the ball? He's still involved in the passing game, though. He is a little. I mean, he gets two targets a game, <laughs> and that's kind of why he's my highest ranked of those three just because I think the touch floor is probably the safest and Dallas is you know weaker against the run than they are against the pass so it would make sense for the Bears to start out running the ball it is easier to run and I think they're you know they're going to try to protect Trubisky a little bit and not make him throw it 40 times a game that's not the recipe for success for the Bears offense I do like Eckler just because you know the the Jaguars defense is quitting again sorry Bobby <laughs> but uh <laughs> second straight year oh you're right I, hey I want a higher first round pick I don't care at this point second straight year they're just kind of waving the white flag late in the season and um you know even though Eckler is probably only going to get 10 touches or so maybe not even that but you know whenever he does touch it he is pretty efficient with the touches he gets and explosive and it's amazing that he is still just like making his fantasy quota every week, like having that one big play, that touchdown. So yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good about all these guys at the RB2 level. Tightly bunched, but I, I think I'd be the most nervous about starting Sony. I'm with you. I've got Eckler 19. I've got Sony Michelle 20. I've got Montgomery 23. So they're all pretty close for me. Now the next group of three, and Pat, you're going to start with this one, okay? Kareem Hunt faced Cincinnati at home. We got Darius Geis at Green Bay. 
and Benny Snell. This is assuming James Conner is going to be out. Based on what he said, uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to play again this week. He's at Arizona. So Kareem Hunt, Darius Geis, Benny Snell, who are you taking, Pat? Uh, Hunt would be my first choice out of these guys. I mean, he's just looked so terrific. I do think he is a top 10 running back playing this complimentary role to Nick Chubb, and the matchup is really good. So another guy like Eckler who doesn't need a lot of touches to, um, you know, still get over for fantasy. I've got Snell a little higher. This is assuming, of course, James Conner isn't back this week. And I do like guys, you know, especially if there's any sort of weather in Green Bay and and Washington tries to go run heavy. I think they're going to try to go run heavy anyway. Green Bay is definitely easier to attack on the ground than through the air. What does run heavy exactly mean, though? Because they were run heavy last week and he only had 10 carries. That's the thing. He's had 10 carries each of the last two weeks. And I just I don't think they're going to give him any sort of audition for a workhorse role. It just doesn't make sense. One, I think they're there's some loyalty to Adrian Peterson who carried them through a stretch of the season where they pretty much had nothing going on at any of the skill positions with the exception of Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And he looks good too, Adrian Peterson. I think he looks better than guys. He does, man. And and there's just no reason to, you know, take an unnecessary risk with Geis's health in a lost season. So I, I think they're pretty content with this 50-50 split. Yeah, I mean, well, Chris Thompson, the, the snaps went Thompson 23, Peterson 23, and Geist 19. So it's, it's a three-way timeshare. And if that game script goes south, it's going to be a lot more Thompson than those guys. So, yeah, uh, Geist is the one that I'd probably put last in the group. Uh, his Snell is really close, though, because he's another guy that's really game script dependent. And if for whatever reason Arizona jumps out on top, you're going to see him phased out. Uh, they did give uh, Jalen Samuels a few more carries last week. So it, it just really comes down to game script for both of those guys. And I'm not really excited about either matchup, which is why I would go with Kareem Hunt as well. I think, why don't we look at Kareem Hunt like we look at Austin Eckler, right? They're, they're both guys that are backups, but then they're not, they're, they maybe get, you know, 10 to 12 touches in a game, but they're both highly efficient with those touches. And, and looking at the matchups, it's hard to say that Kareem Hunt's matchup is worse than Austin Eckler's this week. I'd put him in that conversation with those guys as someone that's going to get, you know, the Browns, they, they run the ball more than most teams do. And I think Nick Chubb's going to smash here, but there should be plenty of work for both of them to go around. And ever since Kareem Hunt returned, He's outscored Nick Chubb in PPR formats three of the four games. It's because he's getting all the pass down work and Nick Chubb's not scoring many touchdowns. So, but this is a week where they both should be able to deliver. I I think both are going to finish his top 24 options this week. I like it. All right. Wide receiver position, guys. And, um, you know, this is a little bit messy. So usually there are one, two, maybe three or four guys that I feel good about outside of the top 40. I don't have a single one this week that I'm recommending. So tags, please give me a couple names. You still using Anthony Miller against Dallas? I don't think he's a bad play. I don't have him in my top 40, though. Yeah, me either. I think Zach Paschal is somebody that could get into that conversation. Is he outside the top 40? I've got him well inside. Yeah, okay. All right. So he's 45 in ECR. I have one for you. It's, it is Emmanuel Sanders. I'm playing him this week, and I'm not even worried about it. It was That's one of those names that popped up as when I was like going through and doing my rankings, and then when I went to submit them, uh, I, I saw a warning come up and say, uh, are you sure you want to do this? And <laughs> yeah, I have him as a top 25 wide receiver this week against the Saints. The Saints are so good against the run. It's the reason that we hate every single running back. And if we think this game's going to be competitive at all, it's going to move through guys like this. And Sanders, while he was dealing with that cartilage injury, uh, he played a full complement of snaps last week, which doesn't makes me not worry about him at all. And Garoppolo latches on to him. You know what I mean? Like Garoppolo is going is to throw the ball a lot more in this matchup. And you've seen wide receivers perform against the Saints. Marshawn Lattimore 
they didn't have him, they didn't have him shadow last week. So I'm I'm wondering if this is a team that's just saying we're going to let Lattimore play sides because Debo Samuel has done his work too. And Emmanuel Sanders also has played a lot more in the slot since going to San Francisco, which is obviously the best matchup on the field against the Saints. So I like Sanders better than Debo Samuel this week, and that was the opposite case last week. So why why over the last four weeks does he have 113 receiving yards? I told you it was the rib, the rib cartilage injury that he was dealing with. Uh, he had to leave the one game early. But like last week he did nothing. Are you sure he's good to go? Well, last week it was terrible. That was a terrible matchup for him. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, terrible matchup, terrible weather. Yeah, that's the thing. So that that's. I'm like, just asking the questions I think our listeners are wondering right now. Oh, for sure. And I get it. And that's what I'm saying. It's all It, it came down to his snap counts because he was someone that I told people not to play last week. I had him at like wide receiver four, wide receiver five territory. And I said that we have to see his snaps come up before you can play him with any confidence. And that's why I prefer Debo Samuel in a tough matchup. But I don't think the Saints are that tough of a matchup for these guys. I think that Sanders, he's a natural route runner and Lattimore is more of like a physical guy that likes to get his hands on you. So I'm not really that worried about Sanders this week. And if you want to play him as a wide receiver three, I think you should. Cool. I like it. Pat, do you have a name for us? I actually do have one I totally forgot about. Well, I'm with Tags having Emmanuel Sanders in the top 40. Like, just remembering how good he was his first few games going over to uh, the 49ers and and just this alpha receiver. Of course, that was before the uh, Debo Samuel coming out party. But, you know, obviously still Emmanuel Sanders is just a terrific receiver. And as Tags mentioned, it's not a lock that, like, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be on him all game. So, um, yeah, like I've got both of those guys kind of in my top 40, like within mid-range sort of wide receiver three territory. You mentioned him before, Bobby. I mean, I really like Zach Pascal this week. I don't think there's any chance T.Y. Hilton comes back. He's already talking about not knowing whether he's going to be able to play again this season, which... You know, when a player is openly talking about that, it's a pretty good sign they're not going to play again this season and and certainly not this week, which is unfortunate. But, you know, really, there's no reason for Hilton to rush it back. And, um, you know, with no Eric Ebron, they're down to what Jack Doyle, Pascal, Marcus Johnson and uh, Ashton Doolin. Yeah. Is Paris Campbell going to come back this week? Because if Paris Campbell comes back, he's actually like a deep sleeper. Like if you're like, yeah, that's right. I know he was on the verge of a return. Like, I wonder if, if they would let him play a full load right away if he did come back. But um, I think they need him to. Yeah. And and the plus matchup against the Buccaneers this week. So Pascal is in my top 40. Uh, I don't know if I really have anyone else who's kind of a, you know, high flyer sleeper guy. Is Is Marvin Jones in the top 40 for you guys this week? He's in the top 40 for me. I don't know if he's in the top 40 ECR, but I would absolutely play him. I mean, he's since he uh, since week six, he's been a top five fantasy receiver. I have no question, no problem starting him if Matt Stafford is playing quarterback. Right. But how, do you guys, how are you guys treating the, the Detroit wide receivers this week? Not good. I have Marvin Jones at 45. 45. All right. I mean. He's been getting it done even no, even with the backups. I get it. I I really do. And if and if you watch that Bears game on Thanksgiving, it was uh it was almost like the Bears just like thought that they could show up to that game and not really play in the secondary. And you saw Galladay <laughs> run right past Prince of Mucamara. Then you saw Marvin Jones. You saw like players just basically catching a ball. And I, all I saw on Twitter was people saying, "Why aren't there players around the receivers when they're catching the ball?" <laughs> and it was like ridiculous for a little bit. But then the Bears tightened up. Uh, the Vikings are coming off a bad loss, and they're, they're returning home in a, an absolute must-win game. David Blau. Uh, I mean, if if you watch that game as it went on, basically if a, if a wide receiver wasn't wide open, he was missing them. 
Yeah, he just has no arm either. No, that's the thing. He he struggles down the field, and that's where Marvin Jones has kind of made his hay this year. Whereas Galladay's been the bigger body guy. But yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of Marvin Jones. I would rather play someone like Zach Pascal this week, just because. Oh yeah, me too. I I like Pascal more than Jones, but I think Jones is a solid play. I would have the argument about like Terry McLaurin. Like, how do you guys feel about Terry McLaurin? Because the matchup against Green Bay on the perimeter has been really good, uh, but Dwayne Haskins has been really, really bad. Where do you have him this week, Pat? Uh, I've got him wide receiver 30. And, you know, I, I feel okay about him. Like, the fact that he is still sort of their alpha target, I, I think, you know, even though the floor has not necessarily been there in the last couple of weeks, you know, I, I still feel mostly mostly comfortable starting him just because I'm such a believer in the talent. And if he's going to be going against Kevin King this week, which is, I think, how the matchups line up, like King is the guy you can pick on in the Packers secondary. So, and, uh, you know, if, if they play sides the way I think they're going to, I think it's going to be Kevin King and not Jair Alexander. All right, guys, we've got a lot more to talk about, but first I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Simple Contacts. Guys, I'm going to give you six reasons why Simple Contacts are awesome. First of all, they're extremely convenient. Like, you would rather be playing fantasy football or spending time with your family or getting work done around the house than wasting like three hours trying to figure out how to get contacts. Guys, you can do it from your couch in minutes. It's really fast. You can get it done in about five minutes. Think about how much time you can save avoided to just making an appointment, getting to the eye doctor, taking time off, everything like that. And it's reliable. It's designed by eye and vision care doctors and a licensed doctor reviews every test so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. And guys, they're going to give you that five-star experience as well. The reviews speak for themselves. Simple Contacts has been rated five stars over 5,000 times in the App Store. They're going to offer you choices at Simple Contacts. They've got all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find your lens at the best price. And maybe most importantly, they're going to save you money. The vision test is only 20 bucks. Now compare that with an appointment, which without insurance is going to cost like 200 bucks, right? The contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, we're going to be offering a promotion to our listeners. And here it is, guys. You're going to get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash fantasypros20. Enter the code fantasypros20 at checkout. Again, that's simplecontacts.com slash fantasypros20 or enter the code fantasypros20 at checkout and that's going to get you $20 off your contacts. Now guys, I also want to add, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. But when I use Simple Contacts, I saved a ton of time and money. Let me give you the offer one more time. $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash fantasypros20 or enter code fantasypros20 at checkout. Do you guys know that Kelvin Harmon has more air yards over the past three weeks than Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams? Kelvin Harmon's good. I'm not saying start him in a season-long league, but in DFS, GPP, I might be interested. He might catch a long touchdown or two. What do you guys do? So can we have a non-start-sit like start sit conversation just like really quick? Just about like, if you're the Redskins, what do you do? Uh, because I, I believe they do have two receivers. Like Harmon's good, and we know McLaurin's good. But what do they do about Dwayne Haskins? Like, Pat, if you run the Redskins, Bobby, if you run the Redskins, do you draft a quarterback next year? I don't like the draft class much for quarterbacks. It would really depend on if, on if someone with a lot of upside, a Jacob Eason, drops to the second round. I'd spend a second round pick. I mean, Haskins obviously is not going to be the answer. I mean, I guess we said the same thing about Josh Allen a year ago for Buffalo, and he does look like the answer, but uh, I don't think Haskins is going to develop that much. 
I, I don't think they can take one with that first pick. Like, I think they have to get help elsewhere. But what if Tua falls into the early second round because of the injury? I think if Tua is going to fall into the second, he just goes back to school. He'll know. You know, or what if what if they decide to take a chance on Jalen Hurts, if they're kind of forward length? That's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, if they're forward thinking like the Ravens and, and think of how they can play to Jalen Hurts' strengths. Because, you know, I think... I think if they're going to do that, they would trade Haskins, though, so... Uh, it just depends on who would really want to take a chance on somebody like Haskins with all the quarterbacks coming out. Because if Haskins was in this draft, would he even go in the first round? Knowing what we know now? <laughs> Knowing what we know now, absolutely not. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's worth a first-round pick. Yeah. Although I will say in Haskins' defense, I mean, like he was going to be a guy who I think was going to struggle his first year. Like I don't want to bury him just yet because he was playing at Ohio State last year, and that was actually – and it's hard to believe because this year's Ohio State defense might be one of the best college defenses. Well, at least one of the best Big Ten defenses I've ever seen. The last year, the Buckeyes were not playing very good defense. And they actually forced Haskins to bail them out in a bunch of shootouts. And he was able to do it pretty consistently. So, like, I want to give the guy a little more time. I, I don't want to, like, bring in a first-round quarterback and immediately, like, pull the plug and kind of go through what, the Cardinals did with Rosen and just like that seemed like a very counterproductive thing for that organization and like historically all the great quarterbacks have always sat out their rookie or, or two or three years like you know else was really bad as a rookie Peyton Manning Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions he had 6.5 yards per attempt as a rookie um, it's not to say these guys can't develop but Haskins just looks like a mess compared to the other rookies I heard Josh Rosen's name so I'm going to bring this up Christian Kirk last year with Josh Rosen under center on 68 targets. That's an important number. 43 catches, 590 yards, three touchdowns. This year from Kyler Murray on 78 targets, 10 more targets. He's got six more receptions, 59 fewer yards in the same amount of touchdowns. Why do people, like, I understand like chasing the targets with Christian Kirk, like liking him as like a low end wide receiver three or something. Why is he so high? He's at 27 in the rankings this week. I mean, he's going against the Steelers. The Steelers have allowed six wide receivers all year to finish top 24 against them. Pat, is there any logic to this with Christian Kirk? The the targets have been pretty bankable, uh, you know, with like nine targets a game. And, you know, there's a, a good target floor. I get that the efficiency hasn't been there. A couple of those games, I mean, since he's come back from this, it's a smaller sample size for him because he missed, what, the, the three or four games with the high ankle issue then immediately comes back to like matchups with Richard Sherman in two of his first three games back or, or two of his first four back. You know, I, I, I'm still pretty sold on the talent with Christian Kirk and the fact that like Kyler has been targeting him so heavily, like he is Kyler's guy. There's no question about that. And I guess I'm okay to roll with it. I mean, I think the one thing I would kind of push back with you on about the Steelers matchup is that you know, in the first five weeks of the season, the Steelers faced Brady and the Patriots, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And we could even make the case that Jackson and Brady aren't like really elite passers. I mean, since then, they have played a lot of average to bad quarterbacks like Ryan Finley. Would we say that Kyler's above average, though? Oh, I mean, well, since Kirk came has come back, he has been what top? I think he's QB seven. Uh, in points per game since week eight, which was Kirk's return. And that covers a period where they played the 49ers pass defense twice. 
and he's banged up. Like he's been good fantasy wise, but as a someone who helps fantasy receivers, I think he's mediocre at best at this point in his career. That that's fair. I mean, that's fair. A lot of the the value is rushing based. Yeah, that's basically what I was trying to say is that in terms of like uh, pure passers uh, and where Kirk lines up, where he's been lining up because they've been getting him out of the slot. He hasn't been playing there much lately. Uh, like only 20% of the time, I think. So he's going to match up with Joe Hayden with where he's on the field most of the time. Hayden's been, he's been a solid cornerback all year. He's not like a guy that you're going to smash against. So I, I understand, like I said, I, I get the targets and, and putting Kirk in there as like a low end wide receiver three, but this is more like people have him as like a high end three, almost a two. And I'm like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's a little bit too high for me as well. Do you really think he's going to get the shadow from Hayden? Uh, not shadow nece- necessarily, but more like he lines up on that side of the field about 60, 65% of the time. Like now that they moved him out of the slot because they're not playing him in the slot anymore. Because at the beginning of the year, they had four, they went four wide. They always had Fitzgerald and Kirk in the slot. But now he's been a primary like perimeter type player. And that's why I think it's going to be a mix of Hayden and Steven Nelson, who Nelson's been just as good in coverage. You can say that about the competition. I, I would agree with you. But I'd also say that the, the time that they struggled against wide receivers in the first two weeks was with without Minka Fitzpatrick. And they were beat continually up the middle of the field. So if there's a weakness over the, in that team, I, I think it's probably Mike Hilton in the slot. And that's where Fitzgerald's going to be. But it's like going through and trying to mix and match. And it's it's not to say Kirk can't have a good game, but but it's like more about like what what is the most likely outcome in this in terms of like he's been struggling, been not efficient. The, the, the Steelers, ever since they got Fitzpatrick, have been arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL, even if they have played lesser competition. You know what I mean? Like Odell Beckham is someone that didn't put up massive numbers against them. Guys, what about Russell Gage if Julio Jones is out? Would you start him against Carolina Tags? You could. He played against them a couple weeks ago, and that, that, that was a game without Austin Hooper, if I'm not mistaken. They were also without Devonta Freeman. He only saw four targets, which is a little worrisome, but the matchup is good if he gets the targets. Uh, Austin Hooper is coming back, which does lower, like absolutely lowers my expectation for him. So Gage is like, he's like a mediocre start, not someone that you have to play. So would you rather play somebody like Darius Slayton at Philadelphia, Randall Cobb at Chicago, Cole Beasley face Baltimore? Ew, those are all gross. I don't think Beasley's that gross. I mean, he's got a nice safe floor. Yeah, against Baltimore. I mean, he should rack up some receptions. He had a horrible matchup against D- Dallas last week, and he went 110 for a touchdown. Horrible matchup against the Broncos in week 12, 76 and a touchdown. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm looking at the names above him, and I'm trying to think of like if there's anybody on the waiver wire that I would rather start over those guys, and not not really. James Washington? A.J. Brown? Well, if, if Juju's out, James Washington's going to be moving up to like wide receiver three territory for me. Yeah, agree, agree. What, what do you think, Pat? Of all these guys we've been talking about uh, that we just mentioned in the last minute, is there one that you like more than the others? Yeah, not Gage. I mean, I, I rank Gage with the assumption that Julio was going to be back because it seemed like Julio was sort of a borderline call for last week. And like they, they tried to get him ready for that game. It just didn't happen. But I think he will come back. I think he got in like a limited practice uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. So I think he's going to play an Aztags match and Hooper coming back too. That really puts a target squeeze on Gage. I think he was just, you know. Especially since they'll be playing from ahead against Carolina, I would assume. Yeah, maybe. Carolina's a disaster lately, and Atlanta's (laughs) been playing good football. Of the guys you mentioned, though, I think Darius Slayton probably has the best outlook, maybe even if Golden Tate comes back, although, you know, Evan Engram is going to be back too, so... Yeah, there's a lot of things going on here. We don't know how Eli feels about Slayton in terms of, like, you know, Daniel Jones was obviously started to gravitate towards him. There's a lot of ifs on that Monday night game. Yeah, good points, good points. And, uh, you know, as Bobby said, uh, Beasley, you know, maybe if this is in a multi-flex... PPR league with with 12 or more teams like I could squeeze Beasley into one of those flexes but um yeah that is that is a pretty messy bunch you gave us on that one Bobby 
All right, guys, let's go into the wide receiver three territory. We'll do two groups here. Uh, I want to start with Curtis Samuel at Atlanta. Sterling Shepard with all these guys coming back at Philadelphia. Uh, and I was going to say Emmanuel Sanders, but let's go Robbie Anderson face Miami. So it's Sterling Shepard, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson tags your first. I'm going to go Sterling Shepard. The target floor has just been way too good. And and I'm hoping that Golden Tate comes back because it kicks him outside. And Philadelphia has been phenomenal against the slot this year. I don't think people realize that. People continually pump players up against the, the Eagles. They're like, oh, their secondary is terrible. But slot receivers are awful against them. Even Julian Edelman didn't have a great game. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sterling Shepard here. All right, Pat, who do you like? Tags makes the great point about the slot thing, and that's why even though I'm thinking Tate is back this week, I've got Tate like outside the top 45. But I, I just with that target squeeze with Ingram and Tate and, you know, Slayton probably not going to get squeezed out entirely. Like I can't get any Giants receiver into the top 40 this week. So for me, I mean, I like I like Curtis Samuel a lot more than any of those guys. And I know that DJ Moore has really become the alpha target there. But, you know, this week we've got Greg Olson in limbo. I mean, even assuming that Olson plays, I've got Curtis Samuel's a top 30 receiver. You know, I just I like that he's got the speed to potentially hit a home run, like not a guy who necessarily needs eight or nine targets to go over for you. And just a really good matchup, like a fast track inside uh, at Atlanta against a team that has some coverage issues. You know, I, I like him more than Robbie, who another guy who just lately he's been coming back into favor. But like it was kind of scary for a while there when he was playing like 90 percent of the snaps and getting like four or five targets a week. Like, I don't know what was going on there. It was horrendous. It was so bad. Yeah. And it's just like I I don't like betting anything on the Jets offense anymore <laughs> with as bad as their offensive line is. I mean, they're like, you know, near the bottom of the league in adjusted sack rates. Like, it's just a non-functional offense. And, you know, plus all Adam Gase teams, like he, he makes all his skill guys worse somehow. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> Jay Cutler is the only guy who responds to Adam Gase. I don't understand. All right, guys, so the next group is going to have four in it. One of them is with the Jets. It's Jamison Crowder. He gets Miami, though. Debo Samuel at New Orleans. Will Fuller face Denver and DK Metcalf or uh, Decaf Metcalf, as, <laughs> as they called him on, the, on Monday night. Who are you taking of these four? Metcalf, Fuller, Samuel, Crowder. Pat, you're first. I've got these guys, these four guys ranked within six spots of each other. So this is one where you just... If you've got these four guys on your team, you just throw them into a bag and like pull out a name. Um, <laughs> I've got Debo, number one. There you go. Me too. Let's go. You know, and it's it kind of playing the hot hand. But again, like as Tags mentioned, it's sort of ambiguous what the coverage is going to be. And he could see a lot of Marshawn Lattimore. So, I mean, I'm, I've got my reservations about all these guys, but I think I would feel the best about playing the hot hand. Tags, who are you going with? Metcalf, Fuller, Samuel, Crowder. <sighs> It's so close between Metcalf and Crowder for me. I'm going to go with Decaf because he, I mean, <laughs> like when you're playing with Russell Wilson, a lot of things are possible. And this guy's been getting a lot of targets, uh, 46 targets over the last six games. At what point do we start wondering, is he the number one wide receiver in the Seahawks offense? And, it, and Jalen Ramsey with the Rams, like he's allowed a high catch rate, uh, 20 of 28 targets. He's allowed to be caught for, I think, 253 yards. He hasn't allowed a touchdown in his coverage, but Metcalf is a guy that can burn you. If he's left in man coverage, it's very rare to find someone that can handle the strength of him in the line of scrimmage and then hang with him at the top end. 
with, with Tyler Lockett dealing with a tough matchup in the slot against Nico Ro- Roby Coleman and the fact that Tyler Lockett is apparently just not 100% right now, you have to start looking for production because people have Russell Wilson ranked as a top five quarterback this week. And it's like, how can he be ranked as a top five quarterback if we don't like his wide receivers? So you, you kind of have to make up your mind at some point. And I'm actually dialed back in terms of my expectations for Russell Wilson this week. I have Lockett at wide receiver 26. I have Metcalf at wide receiver 30. So I'm not particularly high on him. I think Jacob Hollister could be an interesting start, but you kind of have to follow the targets with Metcalf, especially knowing where they're coming from, because they're coming from one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm actually really low on uh, Jameson Crowder. I'm, I know he's got the matchup against Miami, but the last couple of weeks he's had matchups against uh, Oakland and he went two for 18. He had nine targets last week against Cincinnati and he had eight yards, guys. It's like Robbie Anderson basically a couple of weeks ago. It just, and I think I think that's why Pat's probably right in the fact that avoid Jets if at all possible. All right, guys, so we're going to move on over to quarterback. And uh, the way we've been doing it lately is I'm going to give you guys the obvious starts, and then after that, we're each going to pick two other guys that we feel comfortable with. Pat, you'll go first. We can't use Lamar Jackson against Buffalo, Deshaun Watson against Denver, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers against Washington. Let's leave it at that. Okay, so outside of those five. Why don't you give me two names that you feel comfortable starting, Pat? Actually, you know what? Let's make it three. Let's make it three. The next highest guy I've got is is Dak, and I know the matchup isn't good, and it, it's sort of a more of a floor play than a ceiling play. Like I know the the Bears defense, even though they were playing with some sort of tryptophan hangover on Thanksgiving Day, like that is a tough pass defense, and you know there's potential for wind and weather outside in Chicago at night. I mean, I do have him quarterback six. You know, I, I feel I'm feeling a little bit better about Carson Wentz and I'm, I'm moving a little bit down in the rankings. I'm going to skip over Jameis, who I have QB seven and Kyler QB eight, just to say now that Wentz has, you know, there's no, the Ertz injury scare is over. He's got both of his tight ends. He's got Alshon Jeffrey and Aguilar back. Like, and he's been throwing 45 passes per game. That's right. That's right. And and Miles Sanders is really good in the passing game too. Like I, they're just not going to pound the rock with Jordan Howard not playing, you know, if he continues to be out and a pretty good matchup against the Giants this week. So like, I'd feel good about rolling him out and, you know, there were times there were people stashing Carson Wentz weeks ago, seeing what his schedule looked like at the end of the season. And, and all of a sudden he stopped scoring points because he didn't have his wide receivers at all. He was throwing to uh, J.J. Arthago whiteside and Mac Hollins, who's since been cut. So uh, I feel better about him now. So we've got the same top nine. I've got Winston, Murray, Wentz, Prescott, uh, six through nine as well. Um, Tags, do you have any of those guys outside your top 12? No, I have Winston at number four. I think he's like a must start for me. Okay, I, I think he's. I've got him at six as well. I think he's a really strong start. Yeah, uh, Kirk Cousins. I want to throw into that mix. Yeah, I'd start him against Detroit. You worried he's going to throw the ball like fifteen times? It's possible, but knowing what we know about Dalvin Cook, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they're going to run the ball as much as they typically would. Uh, they're going to. It seems likely that they're going to get Adam Thielen back this week too. So it's like ramp up that passing game. It's what's been doing well. Uh, as of late and if they do want to rest cook a little bit even if they get madison out there because i i don't think i don't think it's a, like a guaranteed thing that you know, dalvin cook even plays it's possible they go in with madison and mike boone and you know amir abdullah but 
Cousins should give you a, a rock solid floor. And when you start looking at these other players, I'd play Cousins over Prescott just because I think there's a floor ceiling combo with Cousins that's not there with Prescott. Because against the Bears, I do think that Amari Cooper is going to school Kyle Fuller and, and Prince Mukamara. And I'm excited to see him live in person. My first time seeing Amari in person, which is cool. Man, I disagree so hard about the Prescott cut. I think Cousins has a much lower floor than Prescott. I don't. I mean, I, the Dallas needs a win, right? I mean, this is a team that if they jump out to the lead, they are not passing the ball against Chicago. That's the dumbest thing they could possibly do. And Jason Garrett is like known as like the the, the guy that's in the hottest seat in America. Uh, so going into Chicago on the road, they're not going to push it. And, and the only way that you would get Dak to give you a ceiling in this game is if the Bears put up massive points on the Cowboys. And well, let's just be honest, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think Prescott still has a nice floor. Uh, I, I agree. I don't think the ceiling's huge, but I've got Prescott in my top 12. Yeah, I'm at nine. I've got Cousins number 13. Pat, would you play Cousins over Sam Darnold, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the three top streamers of the week? I would. I've got Cousins 12, Tannehill 13, uh, Darnold 16. I mentioned my reservation about all Jets. So, like, I know Tags, I, I think I saw your rankings earlier today, and you had Fitz pretty high, and I like fits. If you're like a, a playoff team where, I don't know, if you've got some sort of quarterback issue and you're like a heavy underdog, if you just barely snuck into your playoffs and you're playing some strong team, like Ryan Fitzpatrick could be like David's slingshot against Goliath. Cause this is a guy who could throw for 400 passing. Did yeah. you just call the Jets Goliath? <laughs> no, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about the tough fantasy opponent you're playing. Like, no, they are definitely not some sort of uh, giant to be slain on uh, pass defense. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick is the guy who could potentially give you like a 400-yard, 4-TD day in his range of outcomes. But he's also the kind of guy who like could throw two interceptions and, and the Dolphins decide they want to do one more eval of Josh Rosen before they have to start planning for the offseason. So I don't know with him. I just couldn't get him into my top 20 this week just because who knows? He also has, uh, you know, Devontae Parker since week six has been the number two fantasy wide receiver in football. He's got Devontae Parker on his team. He does. He does. Uh, and by the <laughs> real, real quick, the Jets, they're hurting. Uh, Jamal Adams, ankle injury, probably not going to play. Uh, Brian Poole suffered a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol, probably not going to play. Another backup cornerback, Arthur Mollett, he's dealing with a calf string, soft tissue injury. Probably not going to play. They already have Tremaine Johnson on IR. Like, I don't even know who they're throwing out there at cornerback this week. You're right. And uh, that's what makes Mike Isicki such an interesting play to me. We'll get to tight end in just a second. Uh, Tags, I love Josh Allen. I've got him at number 10 against Baltimore. Like, yeah, it's a bad matchup. How many times has Josh Allen had a bad matchup? Denver, 20 points. Dallas, 24 points. Yeah, he had one against New England. Everyone sucks against them. 18 points against Tennessee. Um, he's had bad matchups and he just keeps getting it done because he rushes the ball eight, nine, 10 times a game for 50 yards. Yeah, I'm not multiple touchdowns, by the way, in all but two games this season. I think Tannehill comes with a safer floor than Josh Allen this week. Tannehill also throws the ball like 24 times a game. Well, right. He does, but he also, but he's all, but he continues to score fantasy points and against Oakland. Yeah. He's, he also runs the ball, not quite as well as, as Allen, but he runs the ball five, six times a game. Well, Allen's runs are not designed. Like he's a scrambler is what he is. And that's, that's part of the issue. Right. And, and cause you can't rely on that uh, because the Ravens, that pass rush is pretty nasty. So, I mean, Josh Allen presents a higher floor than I liked him more than most against Dallas last week. I don't feel it against Baltimore this week. I'm not really high on him. I he's a he's a floor play, but he he's that's just what he is. He's a floor play. I, I don't think he comes with any ceiling this week. What do you think, Pat? Where do you have Josh Allen? I'm kind of with you, Bobby. I would play him at 
Well, I'd play him over Tannehill. I've got him quarterback 11 versus quarterback 13 for Tannehill. I mean, Allen has just been so strangely matchup-proof this year. and He's ridiculous. Yeah, mainly because of that rushing floor. I mean, they're, they're two guys who give you that rushing floor where it's almost bankable every week, and it's it's Lamar and it's Josh Allen. And <laughs> totally different. Lamar's like two times Josh Allen, but I know what you're saying, yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge gap between Allen and number three, who's, I guess, Murray. I want to tell you something that'll blow your mind. Nobody's talking about Lamar Jackson sitting him, but did you know he's second in the NFL in touchdown passes? No. 25 touchdowns to 26 that. for Russell Wilson. That's it. What? Oh, man. Crazy, right? It really is. He is just such a weapon. Unbelievable. A, ch- a cheat code. I saw that. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. The the Tannehill thing, though, is weird. Like, he is actually, I think he is averaging fewer than 20 pass attempts per game over the last three weeks. Yeah, he's getting like a, a fantasy point per pass attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, completing over 70% of his passes, 9.1 yards per attempt this season. I mean, like... It's this hyper efficiency just because they're so run heavy that, you know, every like no one ever thinks the Titans are going to throw. You guys want to hear why Ryan Tannehill is such a great start? Because the Raiders, okay, they've allowed 8.2 yards per pass attempt and a 6.7% touchdown rate. Okay. Uh, and, And some people might be listening and thinking, what does that actually mean? So that means everyone is suddenly Patrick Mahomes against him. Everyone is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, (laughs) 8.3 yards per attempt and a 6.8 touchdown rate. Like everyone has essentially, if you combine all the quarterbacks that have played the Raiders, they've essentially been Russell Wilson, like a guy that's in the running for MVP. And Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill runs like Russell Wilson too. I'm different style of running, but. He's shown a floor. And that's why I like Tannehill so much is because it's the fantasy playoffs. You need someone with a floor if you're streaming them. And Tannehill has shown it. I mean, last week the fumble brought him down to like like 14 fantasy points. But outside of that, it's been like 18.9 or more fantasy points in every game. Wow, man. Okay, I got three more quarterbacks. We're just going to go lightning round on these, okay? Just give me your rankings on all three. Matt Ryan, tags your first. Matt Ryan, I have him at number 11. 11? Okay, where do you have him, Pat? 17. 17 gets Carolina. I've got him 14, so in the middle. Drew Brees against San Francisco, tags? 19. I got him 16, Pat? 23. Full fade. All right, so we're, we're all pretty low on Drew Brees. Tom Brady faced Kansas City. Pat, your first. QB 14. 21. 17, yeah. So I, I think all three of us agree uh, that these guys are not good plays. We'd rather go Tannehill, Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, um, most definitely uh, Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, right? I would play all those guys over them, yes. Let's go to the tight end position. I already mentioned Mike Gesicki with Jamal Adams out. I mean, Gesicki's getting six, seven targets every single game, getting air yards too. And the Jets aren't someone you want to pick on with tight ends because of Adams. But with him out, I think this is a good opportunity. Yeah, you chase targets at the tight end position, and he does that. The, I mean, could, would you make the case to start Gesicki over someone like Dallas Goddard, though? Y- yeah, I've got Gesicki 9, Goddard 10, Ryan Griffin 11. Though I've got them next to each other, too. Goddard 10, Gesicki 11. Yeah, I mean, I mean, can we just say that Jack Doyle's an auto start? Can we say that? Oh, man, yeah. Jack Doyle's a top five play, isn't he? Yep, I have him at five. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Henry, and then Jack Doyle. I mean, he's the wide receiver one, basically, for Jacoby Brissett against Tampa. Right now, I have Jack Doyle higher than Hunter Henry, but I could actually, I, I could see changing that, I guess. But either way. I mean, Jacksonville's going to give up 89 points. So. I mean, they might, but that's the thing. I think that, that's a game where the Chargers are going to run the crap out of the ball. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Okay, so we've also got Mark Andrews and Darren Waller locked in. 
Is Jared Cook locked in even with the matchup against San Francisco? What do you think, Pat? No? Not at all. Like I saw, looked at the rankings. I thought, oh man, I'm going to be such an outlier on this. And I noticed Mike Tagliere <laughs> also down there with me. I think I've got him tight end 17 and I know Tags is right there with me. Nice guys. All right. I've, I've got him at 11. So I'm a little bit higher than you guys, but lower than ECR. Yeah. Jared Cook's just not very good. So who else do you have in your top 12 then, Tags? Obviously you're going Goddard. Um, what about Ryan Griffin? I have Griffin, I have him at 15 right now, just because I, I worry about how many pass attempts, and now that we have Robbie Anderson getting more targets, and, and Crowder did so well against Miami last time, I could see it being a thing with Ryan Griffin, I really can, but I think Jason Witten's a safer play. The Bears are not like a, a great matchup, but when we're talking about streaming tight ends, and specifically in the playoffs, you're not looking to take many chances. If you are, Witten's not your guy. If you want someone with massive upside, play OJ Howard, play Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas is actually a good play this week against Atlanta. Uh, provided that Greg Olson sits. But Witten is a guy that he continually, every single week, he sees four targets. And the Bears, there have been nine different tight ends. They, there have been nine tight ends who have totaled at least 30 yards against them. It's just a high floor play. And like that's why I have him there. He's probably going to finish around like tight end 13 or 14. But it's like playing the odds here and putting Witten at 11. Sure. I think that's fair. So who else do you have in your top 12? Ryan Griffin snuck into my top 12, like, and I kind of debated whether to put Ryan Griffin ahead of Kyle Rudolph or not. I've got Rudolph right behind him at 13, but uh, then pretty much everyone we mentioned. Where are you guys on Evan Engram this week? Is he going to play? Yeah, it sounds like they expect him to play. He says he's playing, I believe. Mm, great. So I've got him like tight end 14. Yeah, it's not a good matchup against Philly. And now that like the the Giants have all their pass catchers back. But Eli, by the way, Eli does help. Like, I think Eli actually helps everybody uh, in terms of maybe not Darius Slayton because there's like no connection there. But Eli, over the course of his career, he's made a lot of like irrelevant tight ends relevant in fantasy football. So, yeah, he's got to be good for Evan Ingram. So I'm guessing I'd probably put Ingram over someone like Mike Kosicki. So I might put Ingram at number nine. I think that's fair. Yeah, I would put Ingram in my top 10 as well. I think Howard is a decent play. I think Hollister against uh, the Rams is a decent play. Noah Fant gets a lot of targets. Uh, not a great matchup against Houston, but uh, I think he's a, a, a solid play either. I wouldn't consider anybody else outside those guys. Guys, O.J. Howard is out of the doghouse again. He is. It seems that way for now. <laughs> it seems like they used him last week, so... Yeah, I'm not exactly excited about starting him in a playoff game. <laughs> All right, guys, let's round. Yeah, for real. Let's round out the show by talking DST. Um, obviously, you're starting against uh, Green Bay against Dwayne Haskins. We're starting uh, the Vikings against the third string quarterback for Detroit. We're starting the Ravens, obviously, because they get Buffalo and because they're the Ravens. Pittsburgh against Kyler Murray. Uh, get a lot of sacks, fair amount of interceptions. Steelers have been great. Who else are you certain to start? Are you starting the Patriots tags? No, I, I I don't want to, no. <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm not starting him against Patrick Mahomes. So who do you start ahead of him? I think the Cowboys. Did you say the Cowboys in there? I have not said the Cowboys yet. I think they're a good call, though. I would 100% play the Cowboys against the Bears offense. Yeah. I'm going Cowboys in my top 10. Indianapolis Colts against Jameis in my top 10. Uh, Houston against Drew Locke. Who else do you have, Pat? Yeah, you mentioned some of the ones for me. Uh, you know, find Jameis Winston and play a defense <laughs> against him. So I'm okay with the Colts. You know, I'm okay with the Jets against Fitz, who will throw into coverage, even without Jamal Adams. I know that that takes some of the luster off that defense for sure. But, you know, I think they're still a top 10 play. The Eagles against Eli. I mean, now maybe even more so since Eli is such a sitting duck relative to Daniel Jones. That's about it. I mean, I'd, I'd maybe consider the 
Man, that's about it. I mean, like the, the Cowboys, and that's kind of like my line of demarcation. I don't want to go any lower than that. <laughs> Browns against the the Bengals offensive line is a good one. Yeah. Maybe the Seahawks against Jared Goff. Chargers against uh, against the Jags offensive line. It's pretty ugly down there at the bottom. Yeah, Chargers, Chargers is interesting with Derwin James back. He came back last week. And uh, uh, the Jags, if they get put in a position to veer off the run, uh, it typically winds up in a lot of turnovers. So, yeah, I think the Chargers are a good play. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Pat, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, guys, thanks for having me. Always have a blast talking to you. Uh, Happy holidays and good luck in the fantasy playoffs. Bobby, you have to take the Fantasy Pros Dynasty League title home. You've just dominated the regular season too much for anyone else to walk away with the championship. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It is probably not going to happen. They tried to take away Chris Carson and Dalvin Cook from me last week. Fortunately, (laughs) I've got to buy to rest them up. Hopefully, I can do it. Thanks again, Pat. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, and I want to say thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Simple Contacts. Guys, you can get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash fantasypros20 or enter code fantasypros20 at checkout. And also, Travis Matthew, you guys are going to love their clothes. TravisMatthew.com slash football to get 15% off your first purchase. And also, if you want to take advantage of that Hall of Fame offer, check out the details. It's $10 for a six-month Hall of Fame package at fantasypros.com. Slash offers. For Pat Fitzmorris and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.